the True North podcast for Canadian Spurs fans by Canadian Spurs fans. Hi, this is Nedley King, and I just want to say hi to all the Spurs fans in Canada. So, uh, lucky episode number seven, but not lucky for us. Uh, welcome back. Uh, well, that was the week that was. Uh, the, don't think we made any shots on target and managed to get four points, but we'll come back to that later on uh, as we go through the show. <laughs> uh, um, the first F-bombs might be dropped in our episodes here today, considering what went on this last week. So we apologise in advance if some profanity drops into this podcast. It may or may not, but we'll see if we can keep our decorum um, to a Canadian level. Uh, and uh, so I have a great guest, uh, the furthest east guest I've had so far. Uh, it's uh, Anthony Abbott from um, Halifax. Uh, welcome. Thanks for having me on. I'm, I'm looking forward to this. It's good to talk some uh, some spores. Yeah. So uh, obviously not originally from uh, from New Scotland. So uh, give us a little bit of your background. Yeah, um, I'm originally from uh, Dublin in Ireland. Uh, my wife's from uh, Chester in Nova Scotia, and we we had the Irish love affair of uh, meeting in a pub <laughs> in Dublin. Uh, we lived there together for a few years and she wanted to move back home. So she kind of gave me an ultimatum, like you're moving or, and that's it. So um, <laughs> I, I did. <laughs> so here I am in, in Halifax. I've, I've been here 10 years now. Um, <clears throat> it's, it's good to, to talk to a Spurs fan because there's not too many here in Halifax, unfortunately. Yeah, <clears throat> we're trying to grow that. We got... Uh... Introduced via uh, a friend of ours, Kyle, who uh, used to be based in Vancouver and has moved out there. And uh, I tried to get him on the pod. So he was a little shy, I think. And he, he says, I know somebody who <laughs> who you could talk to. <laughs> and uh, so it's great. I'm the same. I um, Even though I met her in Canada, I, I have a Canadian wife also. So I, I'm i with you on the, on the Canadian wives. So uh, I know that um, you have some podcast experience with your own podcast, Down the Pub. So yeah. can you tell us a little bit about that and what, what you've been doing with it? So, yeah, so um, as you know, uh, the Canadian Premier League started off last year. Um, so there's been a kind of a, a football buzz around the city that wasn't uh, as apparent before. Um, so I've gone to games and stuff like that. I got to meet some people uh, through the games and stuff like that and on the terraces and stuff. So um, me and my friends were just like, talking to each other like hey let's start a podcast people do when they have a few points um and then it was all forgotten about so i said to myself you know what one of these days i'll do it and then i did so i just had like a little little rig set up on my laptop me and my friend from work went to uh one of the local bars and we just sat there and just uh talk about the the week's premier league action um and it's kind of grown from there so now we're kind of like a little bit more focused on the cpl i've had um the team here in Halifax is the Halifax Wanderers. So I've had most of the players on just talking about their careers and um, where they see the league going and stuff like that. And we've had some other players on. I had one ex, ex Tottenham Hotspur player. He played a few games, Neil Fenn, who's now the manager of Cork City back in oh. Ireland. So um, I was lucky to have him on. And it was great to talk to him about his time at Tottenham. Like he, he got to play against, uh, he got to play with Stephen Carr and Jim uh, uh, and stuff like that. So um, that that was kind of cool, and it's just been a great avenue. Like you know, me personally, like like podcasts are are, are awesome, and it, it's great like way to connect with people. And like I don't even care too much like about the listenership numbers and all. Like a lot of people get kind of bogged down on that. To me, it's just a great way of connecting with people who have who share the same hobbies and the same 
love of the game. And it's been a great insight into how footballers actually live their lives and stuff like that. You know, like obviously the CPL isn't the Premier League. It's a little bit lower. So how these guys like have kept themselves in a job pretty much uh, through the years and stuff like that. And it's, uh, it's definitely an interesting hobby. I'm sure you'll find that yourself. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting that you say that. I mean, we've uh, in uh, obviously I'm, I'm based in British Columbia and we have uh, Pacific who are based on Vancouver Island. But there's already talk of expansion within the the, the, the CPL. Uh, there's a there was a spot. I think originally the BC team was going to be in Langley. Uh, which is right on my doorstep, and I believe an expansion team may go in there, which is right next door to the Vancouver Giants um, uh, ice hockey team. So on the same sort of um, area. So there's 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 lots of uh, opportunities for expansion. I think it's it's great to have a professional league uh, in Canada, uh, and, and as it grows, and obviously obviously from you know the the Canadian uh, champion, if you want to right now, in regards to Alfonso Davis. Doing everything uh, out in Bayern Munich has been fantastic. He won Rookie of the Year, the championship. Uh, I think they won, defended the cup, and he he's just been playing fantastically well. So Canadian football is definitely in the um, in the shop window, and in the same reason for you doing this pod is you know I do it you know by Canadian Spurs fans for Canadian Spurs fans. If if we catch uh, a massive group and a massive following fantastic if we don't we want to do it for everybody that's in canada so they can have their their voice so that's fantastic so being from um from dublin um how did spurs grab you is a probably nice way of putting it yeah um well i grew up bit like i'm i'm 42 so i grew up in the 80s and 90s um just like liverpool were the the big team and then manchester united came along um so all my friends were pretty much like Liverpool or United fans. Um, my dad's uh, a, a Tottenham fan, true and true. Like he was around when we won the double and all that kind of good stuff. So um, he had a huge influence on me being a Spurs fan. He um, just we every Sunday when football used to be on TV, uh, we'd, we'd sit and watch it together. And then as I got older, we'd go to the pub and have a, a couple of points and watch the game and stuff like that. So um, we've both been long suffering together so <laughs> it, it's been great having like a crutch to lean on through all of this because like obviously I'd say like my, my friends being like United fans and, and Liverpool fans it's um they, they get to rub a lot of stuff uh, my nose in a lot of stuff so um yeah it's, it's it's basically my dad's fault and um it's it's great like not because people know that I'm not it's not a bandwagon thing, you know what I mean? Like, because yeah, you know, any Chelsea fan you meet or any Man City fan you meet, you're, you're always like, people are always like, they're just on the bandwagon. Whereas, like with Tottenham, they they know you're not a bandwagoner because there's not much of a bandwagon to jump on, unfortunately. But you know, it's I just love the club. I just love everything about it. I love um, what they do in the community in London. Um, they they've got a, a huge following in, in Ireland too. Like I I did know some other poor unfortunates when I was growing up, so um yeah it's it, it's i just love everything about it to be honest yeah I, I i i just remembered having a kilkenny in kilkenny watching tottenham versus liverpool and we scored i think it was it was it would have been in the t- early 2000s so we're coming it's kind of 20 years ago oh my god um yeah. <laughs> and we won the game and i i nearly didn't leave the place alive because everybody bar none was a liverpool fan in the pub and of course you know i've i've cheered in the middle of Highbury when we scored, sitting in the wrong seat. So <laughs> being in a pub in Kilkenny didn't really make much difference. But yeah, I was like, ah, 
maybe not just the right move to make here right now. <laughs> well, well like uh i got to so the one of the big there's one big supporters club here in halifax uh liverpool have a huge supporters club here and there's a, an irish club downtown called dirty nellies where they show all the liverpool games and they get to put their scarves up and their flags and all that kind of good stuff so i went there to watch the champions league final last year so that so there was me and one other guy with our Spurs shirts on and everybody else was Liverpool. So that was fun and uh, <laughs> had to be careful about yeah. what I was saying and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's, it's what, but that's part of the fun too, right? I mean, like, uh, there, there's no kind of, um, I've, I've been there when, like, the Liverpool have been beaten. I was there for, uh, just before the lockdown, the, the Atletico Madrid game. And um, they, they take everything, like, in good spirits and stuff like that. There's no kind of, crazies to hang out there so it was good fun like to watch the game there unfortunately obviously we lost but, um yeah yeah I, th- I think being being when you become an expat anywhere i think you soften a little bit i know if i know if i help ask for a scouser to help me out setting up the supporters club in vancouver uh you know if i had a similar one and he was in liverpool i'd be told where to go but because <laughs> we were in liverpool um because we were in Vancouver, they were more than willing to help. So advice and, again, they have a huge uh, uh, club in, in Vancouver. And uh, same thing for the final. I think in Vancouver, there was both of us had – no, they had three pubs and we had two pubs. So it was uh, it was crazy. But, you know, I'm not going to go down that path. We're being spoiled two minutes in. But there we go. You know? but, that's, uh, <laughs> but that's that- – like that's great that you like you, you were able to nearly match them for numbers to be honest because like that's the thing here in Halifax like it's um I'm surprised it's not a United fan club I'm surprised it's not like a Chelsea fan club it's bizarre that like Liverpool seems to be the ones that have got their stuff together and and, and built the, the, their fan club and I'm they'd be the exact same like the lads are super nice and if anybody wanted to start a club here they'd definitely show you the, what, the ways to go with it it's just that Unfortunately, with Halifax being a lot smaller than Vancouver, there's me and probably two others. So it's not much. You'll be surprised. Club. You'll be surprised. I tell you what, it's when um, we did the kind of, if you want to say, the rebirth of uh, Vancouver Spurs, and um, it, it was it was a uh, it was for no fault of anybody's. Basically, we got to the stage where um, the people who had the pub that we were in couldn't host us anymore. Uh, and it was just a question of, you know, restrictions and everything. It was before I was involved. And, and I got involved with them with Spurs Canada. And we went and said, look, you know, um, can I help out? And, and again, I think it was also the right time when social media was really starting to kick in. And uh, we luckily found a pub and uh, who were willing to open for us even at the uh, early hours. And it's a group um that op- that has a lot of support stuff in it so they were used to the format uh that group also hosts as you mentioned you know i think man city and liverpool and and uh, chelsea and a few others uh so we've got on social media and all of a sudden you know first sitting was three next one was 10 the third game of the season crazily was the north london derby which we'll talk about a little later on because it's coming up on sunday but we had 50 something in the pub and it was like how did this happen uh, and but we're still meet, finding people. I wear a Spurs shirt out in Vancouver or my Vancouver Spurs shirts around anywhere. And people come up to you. I didn't know there was a club. I didn't know there was anything happening. I didn't know. And um, they said, well, all you got to do is type in like Toronto Spurs or Ottawa Spurs or Vancouver Spurs and we'll pop up, you know. 
So uh, we had somebody on the show uh, earlier, uh, Jadeep from Victoria, who's setting up a club in Victoria. So don't count the fact that there aren't are only a few. There's more than you think. All you got to do is put a shout out out there and you'll be surprised. And um, it's uh, it's worthwhile. And uh, and I encourage people from coast to coast, whether it be, you know, Winnipeg, Edmonton, Calgary, uh, the major cities or, you know, the smaller cities, you'll be surprised. And again, as you rightly said, they're not fair with the fans. <laughs> yeah. uh, and if only I had some sort of platform to try and start a fan club. God damn it, what do I need to do? <laughs> yeah, and, and I think I think with um, with the SpursCanada.com website has, um, which is a legacy from the actual um, uh, Spurs Canada group going from national to splitting up and supporting the local clubs. It, it, that website's been maintained for another season. That has a page on there that with some information about how to set up a club. Um, but you can go to the TottenhamHotspur.com website and look up. So it's not as bad as you think it is. 15 members they want to see uh, and uh, obviously some rules and regulations to make sure that you're dealing, representing the club correctly, but it's not as onerous as you think it is. So, I encourage everybody to to go and have a look at it. Be the one. Be the one to go and, you know, in your town. If you think it's not happening, be the one. Even if you all meet up at somebody's house, 20 or 30 people or whatever, or you do it in somebody's yard or you find a pub, you know, there's uh, some of the smaller groups I see around the world do exactly that. They don't have a venue. They just get together, right, and and support. So it's fantastic. So I challenge you, sir. <laughs> watch, watch this face. <laughs> so, uh, uh Hey, do you get a chance to to get to Wild Lane or see any games? No, like so, literally, like all I, all I do now is like uh, when I get some holiday time, I, I literally just go home to to Dublin and hang out with the family. Like I, to, to be honest, like I, I it's not. It, it, I've been always been a, a far away fan. It's um, it's it's an expensive business, and we weren't like the, the richest growing up. So yeah, um, yeah, I've always like it's been a dream so i'm hoping that um the next time i get home that we we take a like a little trip over because i'm i'm dying to see the new stadium it just looks incredible and yeah. um it's i mean it's one of the the daniel levy gets a, an awful lot of stick for the club and sometimes it's it's rightfully so but um that'll always be a testament to him that he's built an incredible stadium for us yeah i i'm old enough uh where i saw the old west stand get knocked down it get rebuilt get knocked down again and then the new one being built but i've seen the stadium just not been inside it the 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 last vacation i took over there was the start of last season when we hoped to get in for the first couple of games and of course the delays you know pushed that back and so we drove around it it looked fantastic but just not had the opportunity to go inside but everybody i've spoken to has been in there says it is spectacular but uh we can talk about what's going to be on the pitch. Uh. <laughs> yeah, the the, um, the the one thing is like whenever I talk to people here about um, being a Tottenham fan, they there's obviously like a lot of NFL fans here, and they know that the games are going to be played there, and obviously the way the the pitch is designed and stuff like that. But the one thing they always say to me is that stadium has its own brewery, right? So like that's like the biggest selling point for the, the stadium is that they have their own brewery. So. Um, but the, the stadium is known more than the club, which is kind of funny. Yeah, and I, and I think the revenue that's coming out of there is, you know, we're very early doors in that. And, you know, that's one of the things where, you know, a lot of the criticism right now with uh, the Enid Group and Levy is the investment in in the squad. 
and there hasn't been but you can obviously see what the grand plan is but but in the same way you know have we overachieved have we underachieved could we have achieved more if we had you know a small portion of that investment pushed towards the squad particularly a few years ago when we were you know really flying high and um we can come back to a little bit later on but i want to go in dive into uh the last week of games the everton game and the bournemouth game so that's uh, <sighs> fantastic four points we scored no goals over um i think it was so if you add the go together it's, it's close to 200 minutes and we had about four shots um uh, we the only goal we got was an own goal um and then we can talk about the ir var in a bit but uh, the everton game to start off with what were your, what were your thoughts on that one it was it seemed a really weird one um you know I, I, right out the gate i think i i honestly think that um a lot of teams are suffering because of the lack of fans like you know some are doing better i thought originally i thought sheffield united were struggling because of the lack of fans and then they they, they turned us over so yeah um it, it's just a it's just a weird boy but like it, I, I i'm not surprised by the way that we're playing just because like this is what Mourinho does like yeah like, when he came into the club I'm, I'm gonna be honest i'll probably i'm hopefully i'll live to regret saying these saying these words a year down the road but i really didn't want him to be the new manager like i uh, he's a negative he plays negative football and at tottenham we've been kind of always been seen as a an attacking as we always play the game the right way and Mourinho doesn't it's he did it with united like the united fans were super frustrated the way that they were um the, the style of play that they had under him he got results obviously because he won the Europa League and got them into second place and stuff like that. But it's it's kind of like we we have a happy we need to kind of like work out are we do we want success or do we want to play attractive football? Because I think it, the fact of like that this defense this ropey defense that we have has like in two games hasn't conceded a goal. Um, so this is what he does. Like he he builds on the defense. He kind of gets that right and then. The rest of it kind of comes along. It's shocking to watch. I hate it. Um, I, like watching, like the Everton game was bad enough. Like I, I thought we played okayish. Um, obviously we got the big uh, fight between Hugo and and Sonny at halftime, but I, I think that's I, I I think that's a good thing though. Like I know that Mourinho came out and said that it was beautiful. I wouldn't go quite that far. It's yeah. something that should have happened maybe in the dressing room and not on the pitch. But to see like that people are being held accountable for not tracking back, I think is a really good sign that like, you know, that's where Mourinho is focusing in on. And that's kind of what they want to do is like clean sheets seem to be where we, we seem to be headed, especially after the the awful defensive display against Sheffield United. But this is, this is what we're going to have to put up with. You know, it's like, it's what Mourinho does is how he plays the game. And unfortunately um, the, the everything game, like it was so boring. And, oh. then, and then we we managed to somehow make a game even worse against Bart. So, you know, it, it's it, it's it's going to be like, a, I'm sure that every Tottenham fan listening is probably in the same situation as me where we just want to, I just want to see the back of this season. It's been a disaster from uh, start to finish pretty much. We, we've like, we've got rid of probably one of the best managers that we've ever had um, just because through no fault of his own, I think, because Mourinho hasn't done much better with, with, with the squad that he had. Um, like it's, as you said, like a few like a few minutes ago, that 
the investment hasn't been there on the squad. We've kind of invested the money we have spent seems to have gone into the wrong the, the wrong position. Um, like the defense needs some serious work, and we're just not spending the money on defenders. Like we, we seem to think that Jan and uh, Toby are going to be able to keep going forever, and the season's kind of shown that that's not the case. Well, if you look at again the start of the restart, where there was, I think everybody's chin hit the floor when they went. Dyer and Sanchez. Uh, where's Toby? You can understand the Vertonghen scenario with, you know, he was he had his contract um, extended, but he's at the pretty much the end of his his tenure. So, you know, where are you going to invest your time? You can see that, right? But you can also see that in the run-in, you're playing games back to back to back to back, and he's going to be part of the rotation, which he was uh, against Bournemouth, but. Uh, I, I agree. It's it seems to me it's it's a, it's the refresh. And if you look at Mourinho and it's the square pegs in round holes. I, I, I agree with you. The fact of if if you could say that Pochettino lost the dressing room, probably. And he probably lost the dressing room because there was no investment. The whole group was stale. you got nobody forcing anybody for anybody's positions. Nobody coming in to energize the dressing room with a new look or a new feel. And uh, and with that, you, you're going to get, whether you like it or not, some sort of, you know, complacency. And then you bring in <laughs> you bring in Mourinho and um, you're in a situation where I was listening to some other podcasts. Uh, this is the cheese room before I, uh, I came came into this one. And, and, and they were talking about um, uh, similar points about, you know, the players wanting to play for the manager or, or wanting to play into certain positions. And you play my way or the highway, basically. And uh, it's interesting to look at that and say, well, they're professional people, but I coach 11 year olds and I know that 11 and 12 year olds. And I know that if I try and stick the lad who plays a certain way somewhere else, he's not happy. you know. <laughs> and I yeah. don't think that changes because all those guys out there are basically playing for fun. They want to have fun. They want to express themselves. And if you get them doing a job they don't want to do, do you think they're going to run the extra pace, the extra, you know, yard, that extra effort? It's and it's all over the pitch. It's. Um, do you think anybody had a good game on Thursday? Uh, it, it's it's so like maybe Eric Dyer, I guess. It's it, but this is the thing though. Like, like this is this is Mourinho. Like the way you said there about um, like Dyer and Sanchez starting out the restart. Like since Mourinho came into the club, like he's had this weird love affair with Eric Dyer, um, who he's, he's put him in centre mid, defensive midfielder. He didn't do so well, and just he, he seems to like latch on to certain players that he wants to mould and become these stars. Like like he, just, it's kind of what he does. He just has a weird outlook on the game, and he, he, he there was talk of him wanting to sign Eric Dyer when he's at United and. All that kind of stuff. So, it's, so that's why I think Dyer's in the team. It's just that Mourinho likes him. He's like, there's something about him. Maybe it's because he can speak Portuguese. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> because, because to me, like, I mean, like, like Davinson Sanchez is a good player, but he's he is prone to the odd kind of clanger. And I think having and Dyer's the exact same. And having Toby in beside him, like Toby's kind of got that air of uh, authority around him. And I think Sanchez yeah. plays a lot better alongside Toby than anybody else. Um, it's it's like it's hard to pick anybody who had a, a great game. Like it's it's just everybody was average. Like it's kind of like you know in the the sun used to like 
give like the player ratings that they thing and like uh, it'd be like fours and fives it's pretty much yeah it, you know? yeah i feel um, like i mean hugo dug us out of a massive hole at the end with that great save uh you know and and he seems to be the only one who's really kind of kind of plugging through and you could hear him um on the on the commentary really kind of trying to galvanize the defense and really but they but again toby coming in is is the distribution but saying playing so narrow we're playing with you know again trying to pull these people who have we played expansive pressing football and that's the way it was for a number of years and then i get they're professional should be able to adapt to move but you know as well as i do that Anybody you speak to says, well, this player plays this sort of way. This player plays this sort of way. That's why you buy them, because they they fit a mold or they fit a model that that drops in. And going back to, as you mentioned with Manchester United, he goes in there and he spends 50, 100 million and and picks up a couple of players that drops into his into his model uh, and off they go. And I really don't know, you know, what's going to happen. I, I I saw the um, the trailer for the Amazon documentary drop. I couldn't even bring myself to watch it. I just feel that's going to be so embarrassing to watch. Yeah, and and uh, if if uh, if anybody remembers, or if some people in Canada might not know Doctor Who from the BBC, but when you were a kid, <laughs> you used to watch Doctor Who like with your through your fingers behind the couch. You know, because there was the you know Cybermen and the Daleks and uh, and all these and even the new ones with the Weeping Angels and whatever. You kind of go, oh my god! And it's going to be the same thing. I'm going to watch it. It's going to be like watching a slow death, like 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 a Titanic sinking but with my fingers <laughs> through my fingers. You know, uh, it's going to be crazy. I, I there'll be a I second season. Gonna, you know, you know, there's going to be a second season. I feel like it's going to be uh, like um, like watching an episode of The Office and like David Brent is. Giving a speech or something like that. You know what I mean? Just kind of get that cringy thing from Ricky Gervais. It's going to be exactly like that. And like, yeah, I'll, I'll be the same. I will watch it. But yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be t- like, if all the seasons, like, it, it's just, it's just Tottenham in a nutshell that the, the, the season we decided to bring Amazon in to record everything happened at the club happens to be the biggest pile of dung <laughs> yeah of for a 10 12 years yeah i know it's, well if you look at they did sunderland was the same thing sunderland imploded and then they came back for a second season and they imploded even more and again it's interesting to watch the it's, it's a train wreck but i just had that sorry i just I, I gotta voice this it was i mentioned the titanic and i can just imagine you know on the top of the new stadium where they have the walkway where the um where the new cockerel is, there's going to be Eric Dyer standing with his arms out, being held up by Jose, right? Doing, <laughs> doing oh, Leonardo God. DiCaprio and Kate Wizard, and, and, and having a bit of Celine Dion for Canadianism in there, you know, at the end of the show. Go, oh, just my God, it's it's going to be crazy to watch. But we're going to watch. I honestly think that uh, Jose, Daniel Levy um, are going to be like the the band on the Titanic just playing while the whole shit job around them sinks. <laughs> it's it, it's 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 a nightmare, um, and we and it's a, something again of our own making, which is uh, kind of what we do, I suppose. <laughs> the, the the one thing I noticed about the I did see the little trailer. Nobody's smiling, right? There, there's there's Pochettino leaving, and all the team are sitting there waiting for what's happening. And there's a shot of the back of 
Jose's head as he's walking in, and it's kind of like, you go, yeah, this is, is going to be a nightmare. So, but I mean, you go from and you look at what was happening even before the Champions League final. We weren't playing well, you know. We 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 showed up for those massive games. Obviously, you know what happened in, at Man City. Um, obviously, Ajax, uh, both of them away from home. That you know the main the main events were away from home that got us to the final. But if you look at our league form leading into the end of that season, in the last season, we weren't good. And then we come in, was it 25 points out of 24 games at the start of the season? And then we have the uplift for Mourinho coming in. And then it's like, WTF, what's happening here? I don't like what's going on. And and we've been, it, it, it's almost been a um, a pattern. It's been like win, loss, draw, win, loss, draw, win, loss, draw, win, loss, draw, you know, with the odd. And that's the, we've been consistent. So big question. What are your thoughts on Sunday? Um, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's another weird one because when we came back from like uh, the lockdown and the game started, like I, I've been, Having a great, I was having a great time watching Arsenal fan TV on on oh, YouTube and just watching yeah. them implode, like especially after um, David Luiz's antics at Man City. But then Arteta's kind of steadied the ship there, like a little bit, you know, like they 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 won a couple of games. Um, they they didn't play too badly against Leicester, like they they had to send it off, which obviously helped Leicester. But um, I think it's it's going to be a tricky one for us. Like I think the good thing is is that. We've had two solid defensive performances, and I think that's a big thing because obviously with Aubameyang and uh, Lacazette and stuff like that, like they've got like a, a lot of attacking options. Um, obviously, I want to see us stuff them. I don't think it's going to be that way, but I, I just I really want Harry Kane to show up. I feel really bad for him. Um, he's he, he, you can see that he's struggling yeah. uh, to, to, to adapt to the way that Mourinho plays and. Just to pick up on a point you said there about like last season and that kind of lead in uh, like to the Champions League of how bad the league form was like a lot of that was to, due to the fact of like that Harry got injured. He seems to get injured at the same time every year now because he's been overplayed. Um, there's just there's just no cover. Um, and like I mean we saw in the window again that we we picked up Bergwijn who's a, a great player but like it, it wasn't any cover for Harry again. And the fact that he's now having to play 90 minutes again and again and again because there's nobody there to cover him, um, he just looks knackered again. Mm. So I'm really hoping that he has a, a good game. And I think we, I think we might nick it like like one one nil or something like that. I don't think it's going to be. I'll probably eat my words, but it's. Uh, I don't think it's going to be a high scoring game. To be perfectly honest, I just think that like Arsenal like have been also focusing on their defensive frailties as well. So. I think we might see it might be like a little bit of a chess match, to be honest. Yeah, and I think if you look at that first game back, it's Manchester United, and I'm sitting there saying, if the crowd was there, there's no way they would have put up with us sitting back as much as we did. Even though we took the lead, we sat back and sat back, and the crowd would have been all over him. And you can understand because, again, just getting used to that style and, and play. But do you feel that we've almost become predictable in that respect. You know, you've got, as you mentioned, the lack of pace and we're being over, players, players have been overworked. Do you think teams have worked us out? So, so I think that was the, I think that was the big thing with, with Pochettino. But Pochettino had a very 
specific way, as you said, like the high, kind of high press game. And people figure this out. And I think that's a he, 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 it's always been said about him that he doesn't have a plan B. Um, so the, the games before Pochettino left, we were so predictable because all we were doing was just playing a side to side, like trying to look for a, a pass in behind. And it just was never, the, that pass was never available. Um, and unfortunately, like nothing much has changed under Mourinho. Like it's, it, we still seem to play, like watching um, the Sheffield United game, like no disrespect to Sheffield United. Like, and as I said, they turned us over. Like we, we should be beating those other teams, right? And yeah. We just did not have the killer pass. We did not have any kind of spark of imagination. And it was just sitting, like just playing side to side. And that's what Alain Dembele was brought in to do, was to try and unlock a defence. Like, God love him, he hasn't had the run in the team. I know he's had this huge falling out with Mourinho that um, like was supposed to be patched up because the two of them were breaching lockdown and hanging out together. Um, but but it, it just seems to have got worse. And he's he's been brought on in situations to try and dig us out of a hole, uh, which isn't fair to the guy because he's not getting a decent run in the team to to put a stamp of authority on there. Like, it, like it's, it's really unfair. And... Um, that's why people have figured this out because, like, when you have the same type of player sitting in defense, you just can't unlock a defense. All we're doing is just passing the ball back and forth, and we're just susceptible because of the our aging defense somewhat <laughs> uh, in the middle. It, it's like we're, it, we're just so prone for the counter attack, and that's basically what Sheffield United did to us. Like, they they just tore us apart every time that they went forward. Like, like they did the overlap. It was predictable. You could see it happening. Like, it, it's horrible. Like when you're just sitting there, like. Just watching your team just being picked apart by not a very like it wasn't like it was an intricate system that Sheffield United had. It was just simple attacking um, uh, counter attacking football, and we yeah. just didn't have an answer to it. Uh, um, that one in particular, I I looked at the um, where we were the wrong side of the ball all the time, and that's where that kind of I want to say defensive naivety of Dyer, but potentially the, I looked at both where a lot of players are the wrong side of the ball for that one, but. More than anything, I, I've been looking at the, you know, I'm a firm believer in you make your own luck, right? And the the harder, the better work you do, the harder work you do, you know, and you, you know, the luck comes. And we just had, we've had no luck. And I think part of that no luck, I mean, you could say the VAR on um, on Thursday, I mean, goal all day, or so penalty all day, go one nil up at that stage of the game you could have seen Bournemouth roll over and us having a conversation about a comfortable three or four nil win. You go back to the Sheffield United game where we also had that ridiculous one where the ball bounces off of Mora <laughs> on the ground and it isn't given. And funny enough is, uh, is uh, Oliver, who was the VAR official for both of those incidents is the North London Derby ref. Uh, yeah. So is he going to try and pay us back? Who knows? He might try and realize that, <laughs> He can't do that. You know, there's, oh, it'll balance off. But if you look at the whole idea of where, where luck comes from, you know, the better teams have more luck because they they work hard and they press. And, and we've you could sit there and quite happily say, well, could we maybe got a draw out of Sheffield United game and a win out of that? That's, you know, a difference of four points. We're sitting above Arsenal and we've had a good steady last few games. But realistically, the North London derby this year is a mid-season, mid-table scrap, right? Yep. Uh, we've got, uh, was it a point between us, two points between us. There's nothing really there. Um, I think we've won more games than them, but they've drawn more. Uh, it really is. 
The goal difference is pretty much exactly the same or one different. It's two mid-table teams, and it's who's going to turn up and really want it. And as much as you rightly said, you know, they've got a great attack. Uh, We've defended pretty well. We've got a great attack. I, I look at our front five and go, wow, you know, you put those. If they're firing on all cylinders, we're scoring goals. And if you look at the predictions that have been coming out, I've seen, you know, obviously you get the more slightly biased ones. Like Ian Wright goes, oh, we're going to, Arsenal going to win 3-2. But uh, Mark, Mark Lawrence, who does all the, who never says Liverpool are going to lose, by the way, ever, I think for the last five years. But he's got us beating them 2-0. And he says that we're stronger mentally and we're strong and they're weak in defence. So you've got a typical mid-table game, um, it might be the first player who's sent off. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> makes a difference. So, what are you? What are your thoughts? You think that uh, we, as you say, you might, we might pull one out of the bag? Is that is that your prediction? A sneaky one nil win? Yeah, I, I think so. Like, like as you said there, like I mean, like we do have an amazing attacking line, but we just we just don't use them. That's the problem, right? I mean, like he, like if you have all this talent, like I mean, like like Son is like one of the best players in the world. Like Bergwijn has been awesome since he came in but even he looks off in whatever system that Mourinho's trying to put him in like he got hooked at half time I think against Bournemouth and like he's been one of our better players and like this is this is our problem I think like like we're talking about like two VAR things that have kind of not gone our way but I mean like we're playing against Bournemouth like we shouldn't be depending on a penalty to, to beat them you know, like like we didn't have a shot on target. Like and yeah. United like went there and just like just just annihilated them. So I mean, it's this is all our own making. Like even the Sheffield United thing, it was a ridiculous decision, but I guess it was in within the rules of the game. I and mean, you just kind of have to like we should have had a free kick. Would you score for the free kick? Like the fact that we're like worrying about these variables shows you how much of an awful <laughs> position yeah. we've got ourselves into. You know, like I I, I really like I know that the the, the VAR stuff like they were saying they got the three penalty decisions wrong like to me the one in the game the United game was like, way worse than 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 their one like I mean that was an absolute disgrace yeah uh, and the one in the Everton Southampton game was disgraceful too like he like the fact that the the VAR refs sorry to go off topic but the fact that they were sitting in a room and and looked at those and thought yep they are definite penalties is beyond me what, yeah. what what do we have the video assistant referee for when they can't even overrule something as obvious as that like it, yeah. it's just ridiculous and um just to go back to air game i'm sorry i just had to put my mini rant in there um, go for it I, I i honestly think that we uh i i think i think that if we, if we, do, if we keep obama and choir um we, we'll have we'll have a that's going to be the, the the secret to the game um Eric Dyer, when does his ban start? No, he, he's he's banned started already because he he missed the Bournemouth yeah. game, uh, and because he's banned four games, so yeah. he'll be back, I believe, for the last game of the season eligibility. So he's done. Um, Delhi Alley, yeah, Delhi Alley's still got his uh, tweaky hamstrings, so he's out questionable. Um, I think they've already said he's out, so I don't think he he'll make uh, the squad. You know, it's I have personally and I want to get your opinion on this. I have a, a feeling very much that this game on Sunday is going to be a repeat of the Man United game. It's going to be holding tight, 
hitting them on the break and then trying to keep a clean sheet. And obviously we had that, you know, the Pogba got pulled down slash fell, you know, for the penalty. Um, that's kind of the way I see it, that, that how that game is going to, which is going to be, as a Spurs fan watching it, watching an Arsenal game is always frigging a nightmare anyway. Um, I think it's going to be even worse because we're not used to sitting back. We're used to going for them. We're not used to letting a team come at us. So uh, do you think the same thing or is you think we're going to attack it, approach it a different way, try and surprise them in any way? I think um, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head there that if the if the crowd was there, we wouldn't play that way. Like they wouldn't stand for it. Um, the fact that they're not there, I think like I think we will actually play the way that you're saying there. Like I think that um, we'll, we'll just sit back and soak up the pressure. I, I think like going back to the United game, like so I went out to watch it with a, a bunch of United fans and like sitting there for that last 10, 15 minutes watching you, you could see that goal coming. Like, like I'm not, I'm not Jose Mourinho. I'm not like a top class manager. But you can see what's happening. Like, I mean, we're just sitting back. They bring Pogba on, and we're just sitting waiting for the inevitable. And Eric Dyer, like somebody was going to succumb to the pressure. It just happened to be him. Um, we're not, we're not good at sitting there trying to soak up pressure. It's not what we do. And I hope to God that's not how we go out and try and play. On Sunday, because I think if we do, we'll we'll get beaten. It's we're just not good at sitting there hoping to hang on to a one nil because our defense, unfortunately, just isn't good enough. Like that United game, the worst thing about that United game was after they scored, that five or six minute period afterwards when we were trying to go back for that second goal was probably the best football we've played we, we've played since. The, the lockdown like yeah. we, we played some great attacking football we were getting into some great positions so the team isn't spent like we've got some great players we've got some um, exciting attacking players it's just that the system or whatever way they've been told to play by by the boss it's it's just strangling the the, the creativity out of the, the players and I feel like the more that kind of goes on the less they're going to be able to turn it on when they need to, you know, it's, uh, yeah. it's kind of scary times. <laughs> and the thing is, I, I, you speak to a number of Arsenal fans and the only person they're scared of, regardless of how he's playing right now is Harry Kane, 10 goals in 10 games, you know, against, against Arsenal in the North London Derby. So they know, you know, and it's, it's just really a question of, you know, I'm just hoping, you know, throwing in, the next topic of conversation. I'm just hoping that David Luiz looks up to see the Enoch out plane fly over and, and lets the ball go through his legs and, and Kane sticks one in the back of the net and that's it. One nil, 89th minute game over, you know, that, uh, but, but that's the, I mean, we talk about, we were laughing at Arsenal TV and the same thing. It's been, it's always interesting to watch them because, you know, everybody's a cheat and this and the other. And, you know, particularly after the Brighton game, that was oh, that was comedy, Christ. comedy central. They should get awards for that. Um, <laughs> but but uh, but in that respect, you know, we're, we're kind of like getting into that territory where, you know, you had all the Wenger out cra- craziness, Gronky, And now there's talk of a banner flying over the stadium um, on, on the weekend. Um uh, what are your thoughts there? I mean, we, you, you alluded earlier about the fact of how well the group and Levy have done with the stadium, but um, is it better the devil you know, or you know, what are your thoughts on that? So, like, I'm 
I'm old enough to remember the dark old days, and I hate being that, you know, in my day. But yeah, you know, I, I was there like for the, the Alan Sugar shit show, and just before Sugar took over, and the club nearly gone bankrupt, and all that kind of stuff. So I mean, they have come in, and like the fact that we're a financial powerhouse somewhat in the game of football is a credit to them. Um, unfortunately, like it's it's not a normal business and they're treating it like a normal business. It's like it's balance sheets and it's this, that, and the other, and it's profit margins and stuff. Football, to fans, we don't really care. You know, I know I sound like, obviously we want the club to do well and not go, go bust, but at the same time, like it's all about success and it's about the team playing in a particular way and stuff like that. And the fact is, like, like they've built us an amazing stadium. It feels like we've kind of gone down the road of the way that Arsenal had done it, where Wenger didn't get any money to spend because it was all tied up in the stadium. Like, I get that. But Devi kind of promised that the stadium would be separate from the playing side and there'd still be funds available. Like, they did go out and spend a bit of money, like, in the summer on Dombele and stuff like that. It's more of a case of having to. Um, but it, it, as, a, as a fan, like I, I just think that they need to like lo- loosen up the poor strings a little bit. Uh, like you know, obviously, like Joe Lewis doesn't treat this the way that, that the owners of PSG and Man City do. Like he's a billionaire, but he doesn't like pump his money in there. Like it's an investment for him, right? It's yeah. like, and that's what the whole group is. It's all about profit margins. Like to me, the the sign of how the club is run is how they treated the regular staff that they basically had to be kicked, uh, kicking and screaming, like dragged back to let the player or the people not go on furlough with the government grants. Um, to me, that's how the club is run. It's it's all finance, it's all money, and yeah, I I I, I just I I just wish there was a happy medium. Where you know they would just loosen things up a little bit because we're going to have to if we want to get back into Champions League football, which the stadium needs, we're going yeah. to have to spend money. Let's not kid ourselves. Like I mean, the, the squad we have right now isn't good enough. Like we don't have a backup striker. Our defense is out old. They're going to have to spend money. But the way that Daniel Levy does stuff, like this, like we we lost out on Bruno Fernandez. <laughs> don't start that and, conversation with me. But, <laughs> I know, but but. Like I, I mean, the fact that he came out himself and said, "Yeah, it was just came down to money." That's the difference, you know. Like I know United's a much bigger club, and they're they've got um, like so many more supporters, and they've got more money. But in the greater scheme of things, like like we've ended up like don't get me wrong, like like Lo Celso is a, a a good player, but he's not Bruno Fernandez. You, you know what I mean? Like we we've kind of done the Tottenham thing of like just getting somebody who was a bit cheaper to come in to do a job when we wouldn't go and spend the money on the player that we wanted or we needed. And I th- honestly think that's that's where we're at. You know, it's like it's until maybe Dan- maybe it's Daniel Levy, you know, it could be just him himself. That's like, he's just that that type of person that just wants to, he's just a businessman and doesn't really give a shit that, that, that too much about the, the playing side of things. You know what I mean? But um, it's just horrible to sit and watching it. And, you know, Seeing Arsenal go from uh, winning titles and cups and to and then they built the Emirates and them kind of just stagnating for a long time, it just feels that's where we're headed. But their stagnation still was Champions League every year. 
that was their bare minimum, you know, and, and and they and that helped pay everything off and that helped get them out of that scenario. And, you know, and also the investment in youth, you start to see that come through as well. But I I, I agree with it to, to a point that is Levy the cork in the bottle? You know, if he goes, would there be, um, you know, a, a change in mentality or a change in the way things, things work? And the thing I hear so often probably the most thing that annoys me the most is that who would come to Tottenham to be um, Harry Kane's backup pay you enough money they will come look at Liverpool look at Man United look at Man City look at Barcelona uh, they've all got three or four guys who would walk into any team because you pay them the cash Uh, and they they know they're going to get games because they're in the league the cup competitions the Champions League uh, Ed Al, right? They're going to be playing international football in the breaks. They w- they don't want to play 60 games a season. You, you know, obviously the ones who want to go away and Kane's a different animal. He's already talking about his 200th goal in the Premier League. I heard him talk about that a while ago that he's, you know, where he can go to get that. But that story about, well, who's going to go to Tottenham and not play? a big paycheck and also you bring that player in and all of a sudden who knows your formation changes and you're playing 4-4-2 with Kane and a another like earlier in the season they talked about um Edson Carnavale is uh is on a free out of uh PSG wow wouldn't you have to drop him into a into a Spurs side and have him alongside or as a last 20 minutes or that's the thing though like it's they're just not going to pay the wages like, like he's going to want if he's going on a free transfer it's his last probably transfer so he's going to gonna want a, a big signing on fee and he's going to want a lot of money but the problem is like people kind of look at who wants to play alongside Harry Kane but they're, they're basing this on who was there before so like again we went out and we spent a bit of money on Vincent Janssen uh, who's now gone to Mexico and isn't doing so well over there either so I mean th- that was money that was 20 million which in the greatest scheme of yeah. things in football wasn't an awful lot of money to spend on a backup for Harry Kane and then we had Soldado God bless him <laughs> uh, who's struggled ever since and um, like Lorente Lorente was probably the best one just because he was a different type of player yeah. uh, to try and play with but that, even that was just a stopgap you know yeah. and um, this is the problem like Levy would out and buy Vincent Janssen who had a good record in, in Holland don't get me wrong but like it's 20 million you know like when we should be going spending 50, 60 to, to bring in a, like as you said somebody who's because Harry Kane's guaranteed to get injured at some stage during the season it's just what happens to him now right I mean it's happened the last couple of years so you are going to get the games eventually because Harry Kane's going to be injured and he's going to be out for a month or two so um, I, I, don't, I, I totally agree with you I, I, I feel like that's just a non-story like I mean if you're a professional footballer you'd want to play in the same team as Harry Kane right I mean that's yeah why wouldn't you want to go and play with, with Son or Deli Ali and all that kind of stuff that's yeah I, I don't I don't buy that either I mean as you said like like the top teams always have three or four players who are fighting because you want like I mean look at United I mean like they've got like the Mason Greenwood's come through there and it's just sparked Martial into into life because he's now afraid that he's going to lose a spot, right? Yeah. Um, competition breeds success, and unfortunately, when you look at our squad, like like Harry Kane, if Harry Kane decides, like, like uh, decides, that's a 
bad turn of phrase. If you, if you sound a bad game, he knows he's not going to get hooked, right? Because it's like, who are we going to bring on? Yeah. The only, the only player we had as a replacement, like Troy Parrott, is unproven. Um, Mourinho's treated them like terribly. <laughs> um, it's, you know, like we, there's there's no competitions for, for places. Like in the midfield, a little bit. Like we have like some, some players that are kind of chomping to be on there. Like, but apart from that, like where, where's the competition really in the squad? And, he, and even Troy, he's recovering from appendicitis right now. I saw a little video of him running in the evening, running at night, trying to avoid like paparazzi still found him or somebody still found him. <laughs> Poor guy by himself running down the street trying to get fit uh, from his uh, emergency uh, appendectomy. But uh, yeah, it's I agree with you. I mean, uh, I've been crying out for, you know, for somebody to to get uh, an Irish cap before he's pretty much had a kick of a ball in a Premier League game is crazy because he's got well, such, you know, talent. And and you think, but you can understand, blood him in the last couple of games in the season isn't going to happen because we're chasing Europe, right? If if we kill last couple of days, there's no chance of us getting Europe, then I'd play him. I'll be getting him ready for next season. I mean, I've heard that the next season starts a little later. I heard a commentator mention the 12th of September as the start of next season. Yeah. So realistically, 26th of July uh, and the 12th of September is like being back in the UK. We do six weeks summer holidays, right? That's all you've got. You know, you're off, you know, yeah, hey, end of school year back, you know, six weeks later. Uh, they're not, they're going to get no break. I mean, obviously they've had an enforced one they didn't really want with, with the COVID lockdowns. But uh, where are you going to see that change if all of a sudden you're going to get all these players coming in uh, and are they going to get time to bed in? Are we going to get times to uh, to have all these contract negotiations? There's going to be lots of free transfers and I've heard lots of swap, you know, opportunities with Lucas going somewhere and Lamella going somewhere and all sorts of things. I'm sure we've heard the craziness, but we're emotive and we're thousands of miles away in Canada. And you, you, you imagine those guys and girls, you know, in N17 and the surrounding area are all talking about, do I want to sign up for my season ticket again? Because obviously that that news came out on the Tottenham Hotspur Supporters Trust, uh, sent out some information about the renewals and uh, and what's happening. And there's you always get that real polarising statement as well, where you got guys who've been there fifty years. I'm gonna I'm gonna be a season ticket thick and thin, and other people are giving up. And that might be the catalyst. You know, if you get to a stage where people aren't gonna fill that sixty six thousand seat stadium. It, if that starts having an impact, like that was the joke the last couple of years at, at the Emirates. Oh, we're at capacity. And it's like, really? <laughs> it it looks like bring your invisible friend day, you know? Uh, and, and you go, no, yeah, well, they might have sold every seat in here, but nobody's coming. Um, so I don't know. It's, it's going to be it's, it's inter- interesting times. I think the majority of Spurs fans, if they could draw it under the season today, they would do it. And, uh, even if we ended up, if, if we got to Sunday afternoon and we kicked Arsenal's ass, uh, we'd stop it now because it's just like, this is too painful. Just get it done and and start again. And uh, But is 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 2021 season going to be any different? We'll, we'll, we'll see. And uh, Anthony, I really appreciate your time on, on the pod. I'm just going to wrap up with um, a couple of messages out there. Um, as we've as we've started to, to kind of roll through, um, I'm just lining up a couple of other things and what's happening in uh, across Canada. Um, 
uh, kind of my local guys in uh, in Vancouver have got a at capacity pub that's on a kind of uh, COVID lockdown, so they've got 40 maximum allowed into the venue. So that's already, if you want to say, sold out. I believe Toronto are starting to kind of uh, look at bringing things back as the Toronto, the GTA starting to open up. And I think Ottawa's still in a bit of a lockdown. So uh, mixed messages across the country uh, from the official supporters clubs. Um, but I'm also hoping whether it be episode eight or episode nine to have uh, the legend that is Steve Perriman on the pod. Um, we've been chatting via WhatsApp, which has been really strange for me over the last period of time it's you know like having i've got i've got him and mickey hazard in my phone it's just that, weird that's it like that that's some that's some boast to be honest that's well like, I, yeah there's name there's name dropping and then you're able to yeah but i you know when you it's the same thing when you watch these guys play and you know i my first game at the lane was 1980 and then i worked at the club as i've mentioned before for a period of time i didn't pay for a game for nearly five years so seeing those guys week in week out play and then you get to uh, i've met them both previously but uh, steve's an absolute gent uh, obviously a legend of the club uh, we're just coordinating when we're going to be doing that so hopefully in the next few weeks uh, to see how his commitments are uh, and um, so we'll see where that's come but he has said he'll come on which is fantastic so hopefully um episode eight uh, whether that's uh, me, myself, and I, or with a guest, unknown, or Steve, um, we'll see. Hopefully, we're sitting there, you know, screaming about we should have got six, um, <laughs> uh, or just saying how well Hugo played. Who knows? Um, but uh, as you say, check us out on um, uh, Apple Podcast, Spotify, uh, on my Twitter feed, True North Pod. You can you can find our email address for questions. You want to be a guest uh really appreciate uh, Anthony's time he's uh four hours ahead of me which is great for 4 a.m kickoff games for us you've got <laughs> a beautiful 8 a.m time so that's the only time i'm saying eh, i'd love to be in halifax right now <laughs> sitting there 4 a.m with an hour's drive into the pub uh yeah there's uh yeah but uh again i um uh, I, I just before just before you sign off there i do have uh um i have a vancouver legend on uh, my next episode of the podcast uh carl valentine who was part of the uh um the the vancouver whitecaps team that won this the the soccer bowl in 1979 uh, yep. he's on the pod on tuesday so um hopefully some of your vancouver people will uh want to tune into that fantastic yeah carl's a, a great guy um ask him how his knees are uh for <laughs> me please uh, uh he he had both of them replaced uh a little while ago so he had like the he's got he's got metal knees my, uh, now my, so my, my, fr my friend here uh he grew up uh playing at, at preston uh played for carl at ottawa fury and he said <laughs> the exact same thing so <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I'm, he's... Gonna I'm gonna start a uh a, a vancouver Whitecaps podcast and call it carl valentine's kneecaps <laughs> yeah ex exactly i think it's uh yeah he's a great ambassador for the Whitecaps. uh I know their backroom staff has been taking a pounding recently, particularly for what's been happening with the, uh, with you know some of the news of abuse in the past, and you know the current news of the of the sporting director uh, or CEO getting uh, let go, released, and uh, who was doing great work here, uh, not only for the club but also for the Vancouver Aquarium, uh, managed to get some white caps and aquariums uh, masks, PPE masks 
that uh, raised, I think, a million and a half bucks to help save the aquarium wow. here. So, and then he's gone. So there's been lots of things that have been happening, but but Carl's been a consistent uh, ambassador uh, for uh, for the Caps and a great guy and uh, definitely wears his heart on his sleeve. And uh, that should be a good old, definitely listen into that. So uh, no problem giving you a shout out. Uh, others, I've, I did the same thing with, um, with Sean from Toronto, who does some stuff with the... Uh, I think the cheese room as well. He had a little shout out at the end of his <laughs> end of nice. my podcast as well. So, but yeah, um, looking forward to it. It's been great. Let's sit there and uh, hopefully uh, finish the season strong. Uh, and if I leave you with one thought, it's Eric Dyer on the top of the stadium with his arms out <laughs> wide, being held up by Jose Mourinho. Oh God. With Celine Dion in the background, if you if you have having a bad day or a bad moment, I leave you with that. So, I'm gonna have nightmares about that. <laughs> so one final rousing, come on you Spurs, come on you Spurs. <laughs> Love it. That was a podcast by True North Productions. Well, wasn't that fun? And seriously, uh, just a quick uh, epilogue at the end of this one. If there is somebody out there who knows a lot about uh, Photoshop, please, please, please get us a Titanic with Eric Dyer with his arms outstretched, held up by Jose Mourinho with a bit of Celine Dion in the background. Please, 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 we beg you. (laughs) We'd love to see that. So uh, as we get ready for the North London Derby, um, we're wrapping it up and uh, see you on the flip side. Come and use Spurs.